the University of California Riverside presents Blue, Gold, and Black, the podcast that's dedicated to amplifying Black voices at UCR. I'm Dominique Bill from UCR's Community Engagement and Outreach Unit. In each episode, we'll be talking to UCR students, campus leaders, and community partners to explore the intersection of being Black and being a Highlander at UCR. And I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to the Blue, Gold, and Black podcast. My name is Dominique Beal, and we're here to amplify Black voices at UCR. Today, we have a special guest, Paige McKee. She works out of the entomology department, so we're going to be speaking with her. She's going to tell us a little bit more specifically about what she does um, and how the entomology department and the work that she does with them can help benefit students to be successful Paige, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good, and you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Trying to stay cool, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's too hot right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, Paige, if you can, just please really briefly um, tell us what it is that you do at UCR in the entomology department. Okay, Um, so I am a research administrator at the entomology department. Mm-hmm. And what we do, we monitor our professors' funds. Mm-hmm. So if we do a little accounting as well as we assist them with submitting proposals mm-hmm. and any post-award activities. Um, that's mainly like a lump, or like a, a little general synopsis of what we do. No, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. definitely. <laughs> so tell us... Um, before we kind of dive into what it is that you do at UCR more specifically and kind of unpack that, just um, kind of please tell us, you know, uh, where you're from um, and kind of talk to us a little bit about um, some of your childhood experiences. Um, well, I grew up born and raised, well, not born, but grew up in Ontario, California. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually went to UCR in my undergrad. Nice. And now I work here, you know. <laughs> um, childhood experiences as far as what? <laughs> so <you>? so <laughs> just kind of, you know, just to kind of give us a little bit of a better idea of kind of who you are and some of the in- um, influences throughout your life that kind of shaped who you are today. Um, So what was it like um, growing up? What was it like, you know, going to school? Um, What was your home life like? Things like that. Got you. Mm -hmm. Got you. (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I grew up in a single family, um, single parent household. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom, she had multiple sclerosis. So my grandma actually stepped in to help raise us, Mm -hmm. me and my brother. Um. You know, it was, they made sure that we didn't feel a difference. Like, if they were struggling with money or, this, you know, they tried to mm. um, fulfill the father duties as well. Um, my mom did the best she could. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, right, right. I, yeah. I did grow up in a predominantly um, Hispanic area. So mm-hmm. most of my friends were um hispanic or latino didn't Mm -hmm. um really have that many um other friends in different you know groups um Mm -hmm. 
as far as like shaping me to who I am now, I think um just watching my mom, like she has really great strengths. Like I really admire her mm. for even raising, you know, two young kids with the illness that she did have. Um mm-hmm. that made me want to strive to be better, especially mm-hmm. so I could take care of her. Which right. I do from time to time uh now. Mm-hmm. Um my other influences as far as for going to school is my uncle. Mm-hmm. He, um, he actually planted the seed <laughs> because like, right. um, we, I was the first generation, um, college student in my family. Like my uncle, he's always pushed us to go. Like he, he mm-hmm. didn't really go himself, but he always mm-hmm. made sure that, you know, um, that he made, made it aware for us that we can strive and to be better going past high school or even, mm-hmm. um, anything that we could do anything for our future. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, so kind of building off of what you kind of said, you know, you grew up in, you know, a predominantly Hispanic community. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of your early friends, you know, were Hispanic and things of that nature. So how would you say you kind of started developing your sense of identity as it stands for you being a black woman? Like, how did you start coming into that throughout your childhood or maybe as you got into high school with different experiences? Um, I think I, there's, there's been a few um, experiences that, I, that for sure that people have made it known that I mm. am different, mm. you know, um, like, people's family members if I go to a party or something like their family members would um, already have like an assumption of who or who I am or you know um, you know I'm not (laughs) I'm sweet like I I, I don't really um, I don't have the quote unquote ghetto Mm. that society portrays that Mm -hmm. us black women have especially loud or Mm -hmm. any of things like that so Mm -hmm. like I think people really get taken aback that I'm not, I don't follow, I'm not a part of the, the society, the societal norms. Mm-hmm. Um, some experiences also that I've noticed that, um, cause you know, I live in a bubble mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was this one time we were on a trip and we were, we were going up north and we have to, we all have to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. And my uncle, he's more on the fairer side. Mm. And they let him use the restroom because, like, he's ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we all had to use it, they said that it was out of order. <gasps> he couldn't use it. Yeah. Wow. And we were just like, my uncle just went inside the bathroom. Right. Right. <laughs> How is it out of order now? That doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. I think that was probably, that probably happened, like, when I was, like, around 10 or 11. So that was, like, that was, like, really one of my, my first mm. <laughs> experiences um yeah and so i mean and so like and it's interesting because i think that's a common theme like you know black children they get confronted with something that happens in society Mm -hmm. as simple as wanting to go somewhere um and use the bathroom and then instantly after witnessing someone that you're even related to Use the bathroom now, all of a sudden you can't. And, you know, that can be a very difficult thing to uh, to, to process as a child. Was there 
did you have any conversations with your family about that moment to kind of help you process or navigate what just happened? No. Mm. Um, like, my family, we never really talked about race issues or anything okay. like that. Right. Um, because I've always felt like I've been welcomed for like half, you know, for mm-hmm. all, this, all the time until like things like that happen. Um, I think it, we started having more talks, like especially what's going on, mm. like in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, you know, they, my son, my son, uh, my aunts and stuff, they have grandkids now. So they're like really realizing that this is, you know, it's like it's already real. Like yeah. they knew it was real, but this is the time that we actually should be having talks. Right. And it sucks that we have to have them like, with our younger generations that these things are happening. Yeah. Well, I I think it's really important though. And I mean, of course it's, it always depends on, I guess, like how you frame the conversation to the young ones (laughs) about, you know, what society kind of has in store for them in terms of just how people might treat them um, in certain situations. But it, it's, it's almost like kind of giving them some some type of armor, right? So that way, mm-hmm. when they are confronted with that type of situation, it's not as det- as detrimental as it could be if there was no preparation um, yeah. involved beforehand. So, you know, moving on, like when you kind of got older and into high school, obviously, um, you know, you said your uncle kind of planted that seed early in terms of, you know, pushing you to go to college and to pursue higher education. So tell us a little bit about like how you found yourself at UCR for um, your college experience. Um, let's see. So, you know, my first set of friends, we were, you know, uh, I, gravi- I gravitated more to the, the Hispanic group because mm-hmm. um, that's all I knew. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't probably until the summer going into my second year. That's what I did like the summer program in Washington. Oh, wow. And yeah. <laughs> and like it was, it was really cool. Like it was a nice little diverse group. And that's when I actually got like, and I still talk to, to this day mm. too. Like my first group of actual like um, women of color, uh, black women, mm-hmm. to be my friends. Nice. You know, like they okay. didn't judge me, they didn't say anything about me, right? You can proffer or anything like that, right. like um, and it wasn't like, and one of the girls, she I noticed that she, she always she had her natural hair, and I've never really seen anyone growing up with natural hair. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm telling you. Wow. <laughs> But but you know bef- before you continue, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and and I and I think you know the the great thing about our people is right. Like it, yes, there are the societal uh, stereotypes and stigmas, yeah. right? But you know when you hear the expression that black people aren't a monolith, right? Like it it's very true, right? we all have different experiences. We all Mm -hmm. grew up in different areas and, you know, to a a, a big part, you know, you, you're always going to be a victim of your circumstances in one way or another. And it could simply be what community you grew up in or what school you grew up in or all of these different experiences. So, 
you know, I, I don't think your story is as like uncommon as, as it may mm-hmm. seem. You know, I think there's a lot of our students that can kind of identify with being one of the only, if not the only black person in, you know, their class or their friend group mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, continue. She had her natural hair and <laughs> that was amazing to you. It was so it shocking. Was. Yeah. <laughs> No, because I always grew up with perms. Never right. really yeah. like, had to actually manage right. my own hair. Right. <laughs> so, like that actually inspired me because I was like, man, like okay, her hair is really cute. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, that that's how it grows out of your head, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no. It was really cute. So that that for sure, like. um I think probably started my mindset because like, mm. you know, we're taught that our hair, our natural hair shouldn't, it's not, it's not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, um, just seeing her embracing it, like yeah. it helped me like go through the phase with like the whole big chop and everything. Mm. <laughs> well, well, yeah. well, talk, kind of talk to us about that. Right. Because up until this point, right. You haven't had a lot of black friends, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously you grew up in a black household and a black family, but your guys's black experience was a bit different than maybe other people you might have known growing up until this time. So now like now it sounds really interesting, right? You're a little bit inspired. You have mm-hmm. a new set of friends that are kind of maybe teaching you or um showing you different things about your own culture that you haven't had a chance to experience. So you're inspired to do the big chop and you're I guess, immersing yourself more so in it. So like, talk about that a little bit and just kind of like how your mind started to change in regards to like how you identify as a black woman. No, like the whole hair thing, it was, yeah, it was one of the first steps of me learning to love myself. Yeah. Because I used to think that, because at the beginning, oh, sorry. It's all good. At the beginning, (laughs) it took me a while to get used to it because, I never really saw myself with my natural hair and Mm. for a second it made me think that I wasn't, um, beautiful in it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but you know, like when, like, but when people compliment me, like even my mom, like family members or even my friends, they're like, oh, I like your hair like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have to have people tell me that they like something. You actually like it myself. Sure. But it did like kick the fire, jump start the fire to mm-hmm. continue to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because like these, these three groups, they were all different. Like there was three girls. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, the one who was natural, she was actually um, um, from Senegal. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then um, one girl from Detroit and mm. the other girl, her family originated from Jamaica. So it's like a totally, it's like a really cool. Right. You guys, you guys had the whole diaspora in your friend group yeah. right there, right? <laughs> yeah. So okay. It's really, it, it's really cool. Just like seeing where... Um, just hearing stories or just seeing how these other three groups of women like mm-hmm. operate and everything during throughout the day, like just how they live because it was like a six week program and we actually lived stay, stayed in the same dorm. Oh, so nice. Okay. It was like I was with them all the time, so I was able to like learn new things and all these others. <laughs> Dope. No, I, I yeah. that's you know that's really cool and in in a lot of ways like that was like I it it, it probably 
it sounds like to an extent it probably came at the right time as well yeah. right like that experience um came for you out of the right time right to kind of really allow you to you know explore this whole new side of your identity that you hadn't had the mm-hmm. opportunity to explore before and that can be a little bit scary at first right but yeah. you know when you when you're surrounded by people who are genuine and you can tell like that they love you and want the best for you right it it kind of makes stepping into um that unfamiliar zone a a, a little a little easier right mm-hmm. so so building off of your you know your experience in Washington with this with your new friends and everything so take us back to where you know leading us to how you got to UCR um how I got to UCR mm-hmm. so um originally I wanted to go to San- UC Santa Barbara <laughs> okay okay understandable it's by the beach it's nice we get it <laughs> I was like man like yeah. but when I went on a tour, like I noticed that I was like the only back to being the only right, yeah. yeah, right. And but it was a different group this time. It wasn't like Hispanics; it was more of uh, the Caucasians, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, like I just didn't feel um, comfortable. Got you. If that, uh, if that makes any sense, on no, campus. it does. But it's like, understandable. Um. When I did a tour at UCR, and my cousin happened to go there too, so okay. he was able to like show me around more as well. And I right. was like, "Man, like this cool. <laughs> it's it's super diverse. Like, <laughs> nice. Like they don't lie about mm-hmm. the, like about the news and everything. Like it's it, it was really diverse, and that's mm-hmm. what attracted me to the campus too. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, "Well, this is like a totally different." thing like but like you literally see different groups right like that was the cool thing like you have your asian kids your hispanics your native americans yes like i was floored when i met my first native american like it was just really cool nice like the diversity right on being on ucr's campus so that's what made me uh choose to go here for sure was the diversity um first yeah and you know i you know i've only been working at ucr for almost two years now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I remember, you know, I started working in the student services building. And for students who don't know, next to our student services building is a building called Costo Hall. And Costo Mm -hmm. Hall houses all of our ethnic and gender resource centers. So you have the Mm -hmm. African student programs, the Chicano student programs, Native American, Middle Eastern women's lgbt right the whole thing and i was blown away (laughs) i was blown away by that because my college was very much you know heavily uh the student population was heavily white you know and Mm -hmm. so there was only you know a sprinkle of you know black students throughout my college experience as well and my college experience as far as like my institution and and the professionals that I worked with to help me succeed, it was great, but they still didn't have that, I guess, that intentional of a resource center where it's like, Mm -hmm. no, we have pockets and communities where you can go to get resources, to meet new people, to get experience, to get into different opportunities. Or if you simply have never met someone from another community or another yeah. culture, you can go to their center and, and meet these people and be educated yeah. and broaden your worldview. And so for me, I, you know, I think I agree with you when I first got to UCR, that was definitely like one of the things that really, really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. 
And so <laughs> talk to us then. So you, you're impressed with UCR. You know, you like what you see. So now you're attending UCR. You're enrolled. Talk mm-hmm. to us kind of about your your college experience at UCR. Were you involved in a lot of clubs? Um, did you do research? What were some of the things that you were interested in while you were um, in undergrad? Well, okay. Um, so in, in my undergrad, I um, I was I started off as a chemistry major. <laughs> okay. And so I was um, I was trying to be on the med school track. Mm-hmm. It, I know, totally a different one eighty from where I'm at right now. <laughs> but um, right. I was a part of the medical scholars program that was originally oh, nice. underneath the biomed program, but which is now the School of Medicine. Also, I was a mm-hmm. part of the chemistry club. I was in um, a Latina sorority called Sigma Pi Alpha. Um, mm. What? Oh, I am. <laughs> Very interesting. But, oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, well, those, I think those are my those are my my top three: the like chemistry club. Yeah, medical scholars program in the sorority, um, mm-hmm. and just, you know. and so and so, did UCR do anything to kind of add to the experience that you felt in Washington when you you know met your really good friends? You know, um, you got to interact with Black women in a different type of way. Did UCR do anything to kind of further? Um, that journey you were going on as far as how you identified with a black woman? The girls that I met in Washington, they seemed more um, more well-grounded and, um, like, open mm-hmm. um, versus the, the black woman at UCR at my time because it's totally different. Like, because mm-hmm. I visited um, African student programs when I was in undergrad for a few times, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. like, I felt like some of the girls really... We're like, like, who's this? <laughs> Who is this? Right. Like, yeah. Walking well, in here, you know, like, um, I didn't feel as welcome. But like, when I when I went to um, after student programs a few times, like as as a staff member, I'm just like mm-hmm. these kids. They're like talking to each other. Like they're yeah. more, you know. Uh, but I'm just like, why? I didn't have that experience. Like when yeah. I was an undergrad, so I literally just stopped going because I was like, man, like. It doesn't make like, you know, I just think my little friends. (laughs) And I think and I think the challenge, you know, with that is is like it's (laughs) it's kind of a funny thing. Like, you know, with with black people, when someone new walks in the room, instantly everyone's turning their heads like, who this? Right. And why can't we just walk? (laughs) But, you know, and and I think. And I think it's, you know, and I think it's just kind of a way of, you know, kind of how we grew up and how we lived. Mm-hmm. And so we 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 internalize or maybe we interpret some of those like cultural behaviors, if you want to call it that we can kind of internalize or interpret it a bit differently. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when we are able to kind of broaden those experiences or like you said, you know, as a staff member now, you know, your approach is a lot different. You feel like the vibe coming out of the space is a lot different, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, but I think it's also good that we, we talk about those types of instances, right? Because again, you know, 
ASP is not going to be a home for everybody, you know, we want it to be. And it's not necessarily mean that ASP is bad or doing anything wrong or the students there Mm -hmm. are not nice. It has nothing to do with that. Um, But, you know, people find space where they find space. They occupy space, you know, where it truly makes them comfortable. But um, I think it's important that, you know, we're able to kind of just talk and kind of reflect on these things. Right. Because I think there's a lot of students, particularly black students, that can kind of identify with having some of those same feelings or same experiences, right? Um, But I also think it's important to, you know, take those experiences in stride and not not let it deter you from, you know, yeah. uh, developing a relationship with your own black identity, but other, um, you know, black people in black spaces as well. So walk us through then, you know, you were in chemistry. Did you finish with your chemistry degree or what kind of happened with that? <laughs> um, no, I did not. I actually ended up with a, a history degree. Okay. Uh-huh. Chemistry yeah. to history. Nice. <laughs> Got to put um, on for the humanities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually, um, you know, history... I actually love history, so it wasn't a it wasn't really a bad mm. transition. I've always wanted to like because um, before as a child I went to archaeologist. I mm-hmm. don't know where I got that from. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I always had like that little thing inkling for mm-hmm. history. So got you. It was a it was an okay transition. Okay. Um, but what I did notice about the two the two colleges like uh, versus versus on um, chess. Mm-hmm is that chess people, they're more, um, how do you say, they embrace everybody. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, versus uh, CNAS, like, especially, like, the students, like, um, in your in your classes, um, mm. it's, you have to prove yourself more as a person of color in CNAS mm-hmm. um, versus um the humanities because like humanities they, it's all subjects it's mm-hmm. of all races it's everything but mm. the sciences it's like um it's it's rigorous it kind of is yeah. what it is it's yeah. about the numbers yeah. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no gray area it, it is what it is right yeah yeah <laughs> got you and so you have to literally like um work harder to prove your worth over mm-hmm. in CNAS versus um, chat mm-hmm. because I, it, both of them, I feel like they were everyone always said that chat is easier now I feel like they're both had their own <laughs> hardness mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I mean like, and it, yeah yeah and it's just different it's just it's just different materials and it's just kind of different mm-hmm. ways of looking at um looking at the world right you know yeah as opposed if you know you're science or mathematical you know, you look, you have a certain lens and then humanities, they have a certain mm-hmm. lens, but it doesn't necessarily mean that one is quote unquote easier or harder than the other. It kind of just depends on who you are as a person, um, mm-hmm. what your interests are and, you know, what, what your methods are for getting the job done. Yeah. So, so that, so that's dope. So you make the transition to, um, history. And so you graduated with your history degree. Mm-hmm. Okay, and did did you pursue graduate school after obtaining your bachelor's, or did you jump straight into the professional uh, workforce? I actually jumped right into the the workforce. Mm-hmm. 
but because I was a, I was a student worker in the the biomed department, mm. and um, you know when I graduated, it was literally so 2012 2013 was like literally the first year of the the, the school of medicine, so um, it absorbed the biomed department naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so my supervisor at the time, like, so she was building out her unit, mm. and so which was cool. I lucked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, she was training me as a it was cool because she was training me as a student anyways. Like I was still doing mm-hmm. student work, but she was letting me get a glimpse of what the regular staff people do. Nice. And so when I graduated, um, she had offered me a limited a limited position and then mm-hmm. when they had the FTE or like the, the money to actually hire a full time staff person, sure. she let, I applied for the position and I got it. Okay, yeah. nice. <laughs> so you you've You've been at UCR. You haven't. You haven't been able to let it go, right? So, I can't. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. You have a lot of experience. You have a lot of insight. Um, so, you know, one thing I want to talk to you about is kind of like your your experience with the Black community as a professional staff member now, and not so much as a student. Um, you know how how do you stay connected with? you know, the black community as a professional staff member. Um, I believe you are part of our black faculty <laughs> staff and association, uh, you know, program. So kind of tell us about how you found yourself um, being involved with that. Yeah, actually, um, this is my second year being involved. Um, nice. Last summer, it was like last spring, I was it's random. I was getting my nails done, and mm-hmm. there was this lady, there was this black lady in there. She kept looking at me. She's like, "Where do I know you from?" I'm right. like, "I have no idea who you are." But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just, and she was like, "I feel like I've seen you." She's like, "Do you work at UCR?" And I was like, mm. "Oh, wow, small world." <laughs> right, right, okay. And so she's she's the one who actually entered. Uh, told me about um, the Black Faculty and Staff Association. Okay, nice. she was a part of it because I didn't even know this thing, it, this group even existed. Yeah. Do you want to give a quick shout out to who what who it was that, that put you on? I, I forgot her name. Oh! I see her face. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We're, we're just going to call her the lady that put you on, right? Yeah. Got you involved. So... So, okay, so then keep, go ahead, keep continuing to walk us through how, you know, your experience with BFASA. Yeah, and so, um, and so she, she sent me the email and everything to, to link up, and so happened that Dennis, um, yes, I shout out to Dennis, Dennis too, and I was like, Dennis, how come you didn't tell me about this, because I found out he was a part of it, too, and he, like, originally, the president type. that I knew, <laughs> yeah, right. and he, he I knew about the group. And okay. I was just like, no, I've never it's not broadcasted at all. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And like that's that's the unfortunate part because there's probably a bunch of staff who probably don't know about our group. Um right. <laughs> but like um how I ended up really getting involved in it because I'm the, the treasurer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Handling all the cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the soon to be cash, hopefully. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dennis had um, told me that there is a position open. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, I'll do it. I'm going to. So he nominated me. <laughs> Got you. So I, yeah. 
He voluntold like, you, huh? Like, hey, by the way, since now that you know this exists, <laughs> we need a treasurer. Go ahead and apply. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know you'll be really good at it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got my foot in the door. Okay. Um, it was it was different at first, like especially um, especially going through the first year because, you know, my my department at the time they didn't really understand like why we have need certain groups or anything like that. Just like any yeah. yeah. Just like any group on campus, like why like they want ever they want us to work, you know. Right. And not right. yeah. Do all these extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. But it's for development, you know? Yeah, so, it is one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so like I was I feel like um the first year I was it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Because I was amongst black faculty and staff, and every and it's like there's no different levels like in there. No one thinks that oh you're higher or lower. Right. It doesn't matter the position. Right. And so that's the coolest thing too, because like we're all in the equal playing field mm. when we do our meetings or anything like that. Like we're just a group of people that are trying to um, serve a our purpose and our mission. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was like the first year for sure. Like. Um, it was a little more hesitant on my side because I still have to fill out test, fill out the waters on mm-hmm. how I'm going to get to the, go to the meetings mm-hmm. and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, no, but this like I feel like more as I'm getting used to everything and um, you know, I feel like I can give more of myself. Nice. To, yeah, to our group. So. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really great experience <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because no, you, it's, no it's like we, we're, our campus is diverse. Yeah, and when it comes to students, but staff is different. Right. It's, yeah. So it's really cool to see a group of um, our black um, colleagues in yeah. one room. So yeah, and and <laughs> yeah. not only just to you know just to be able to connect and be aware of each other, but you mm-hmm. actively be engaged on how are we servicing black students, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things about, you know, BFASA is how, you know, how can we push the the overall experience of the black community from a student level to a staff level to a faculty level? How can we push that forward? So, you know, being a part of something like that is definitely really great. So, um, this has been great. This has been a, a lot of fun so far, but I, I want to kind of, you know, take the tail end of our interview and really kind of dial in on entomology and the entomology mm-hmm. department and as well as, you know, the research opportunities that you help facilitate. So for those of our students that don't know, um, simply put, entomology is the science around bugs insects more so specifically right mm-hmm. and for, for a lot of students i'm pretty sure they're like bugs i, I ain't trying to study <laughs> about no bugs or nothing but as you're gonna find out entomology is low-key the plug when it comes to getting into any professional field that has to do with science from agriculture mm-hmm. to medicine to a lot of other things so, Paige, can you kind of just take what I said and, and give students a little bit more of a of a fleshed out response as to what entomology does and like the implications it has across multiple different fields? Yeah. So, um, 
entomology, like like you said, like it, it really can open many doors. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really have to be an entomologist. If you an entomologist, if you want to be a doctor, like you can literally take the platform of what you learn mm-hmm. and take it into your medical career, mm. or if you want to do research, because entomology deals with chemistry, physics, all of those things too, embodies right. all the sciences. Right. Um, the cool thing about entomology, what one of the professors told me, what he loves, because he's like, you know, if you think about it, there's bugs everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're micro, they're mm-hmm. macro, like, mm-hmm. and all of these things play into our daily lives. Yes. Um, whether it's medical or crops, whatever, um, the food they eat or water, mm-hmm. like, anything mm-hmm. like that. So, um, and the entomology department, like, um, we work with so with all of these all these different sciences that people do want to get into because mm-hmm. we know like biology everyone wants to be a biologist mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone wants to be a chemist or a physicist yeah. a physicist but or whatever you can do the same thing in entomology yeah. like yeah. you guys like all take the same core classes right um like it's just when you get into upper division instead of you studying studying anatomy of a human body you're studying the anatomy of an insect Mm-hmm. And if you think about like we all insects and humans, we still have like chemical functions going on and mm-hmm. all of those things um, mm-hmm. that impact us. So yeah, um, you shouldn't not <laughs> take the mm-hmm. chance, like the opportunity yeah. to get into the entomology department because you yeah. can learn a lot. Yeah. Um, you can it even takes you around the world because. Yeah, like there's different insects that have to be identified in different mm-hmm. countries. Like you can travel more. Like if you're a traveler, right, you right. can travel. And I know right. a lot of my professors that I take that I fund, but not fun, but you know, take care of. Like mm-hmm. they travel a lot, especially yeah. during the summer months. Like that's when oh. most of their research gets done. Right. You know? And yeah, you know, so like, and it, oh, sorry. I, oh, I just wanted no, to say. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, but I, I just want to say because everything that you're saying is super relevant, but also when it comes to, you know, black students, you know, mm-hmm. occupying or utilizing the field of entomology for their benefit, you know, I think it's very important that they understand there's not a lot of black people in this mm-hmm. space and we need more. And again, even if and why, why, I guess why I get so excited talking about entomology. And again, I'm not, I'm not a bug guy. You know what I'm saying? I think like 70% of the bugs I come in contact with shouldn't even exist. Like, but you know, at the same time, if I was interested in going to medical school, right. Mm -hmm. The thing about the sciences that students need to understand is regardless of what specification or which specific major within the sciences you want to focus on, they're all extremely competitive, Mm -hmm. not only because of the nature of the academics, but just because they're very popular majors, biology, chemistry, physics, engineering, et cetera. They're they're just super popular majors aside from the fact that they're academically competitive. But when you take UCR's entomology department, you have an entomology department that is ranked number two in the entire world. Number two in the entire world. (laughs) So if you get into the entomology department, you are in a genuinely in a world class Mm -hmm. institution at that point. Um, And also for students who are looking to go to medical school or pursue different avenues that involve other sciences like biology, chemistry and stuff. 
If you get into the entomology department, guess what classes you're going to be taking? You're going to be taking all of the pre-med classes that you were going to take, whether you were a biology student, a chemistry Mm -hmm. student, or anything else. But guess what? Not that entomology isn't academically competitive, but as it stands right now, it's more low-key. It's more low-key, right? So if you can't get into the biology major because it's just numbers and that's how many students are applying, you can still get into entomology and maybe your focus will shift a little bit Mm -hmm. just for the sake of your degree. But if you're still dedicated and want to go to a certain field or medical or whatever the case may be, it's still the perfect opportunity and the perfect vehicle um, to get you there. Yeah. And especially like just piggybacking off what you're saying, like um, since it is low key, Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to deal with, um, especially when it's upper division, like mm-hmm. the class sizes are smaller. So you get to have that better interaction with your professor. Right. Like, and that's really important in mm-hmm. upper division, especially yeah. when you're getting closer, because you want to be able to have access to your professor, mm-hmm. um, be able to get access to research. Um, we just, um, we found out last week that we got our endowment for Ooh. our, mar- yeah. So, so far, we've created an endowment for uh, to help marginalized students, mm. who's to help them financially, so they can do research and not have to worry about mm. having to work and do school. Because right. you know, like just like you were saying, like entomology does not have a lot of people of color, like or even just think about it, any research lab, because like you know, we have to sometimes we have to take care of ourselves financially like we we don't have that that um that foundation to not mm-hmm. just work you know and right. so like this endowment is was created to help um give up op- more opportunities to these marginalized students who can mm. um get access to research and it's it's yeah. really cool i'm really excited that it got um you know fully funded like <laughs> no yeah that so, and yeah. that's amazing and And again, talking to any student that comes from marginalized communities, but, you know, particularly our black and African-American student, like Mm -hmm. these are the type of resources that on the surface level, you might think that has nothing to do with what you want to do. You might think that it's taking you a totally different direction. But if you dig a little bit right, you go and talk to people like Paige. You can understand like, yo, there's so much opportunity here, right? We have bachelor, Mm -hmm. master, dual programs coming out of entomology, right? Where you can get your master's degree at a bachelor's price, right? You know what I'm saying? Like there's just tons of different opportunities. So, I, you know, before we conclude, I do want to spend some time just on the research side of it, because obviously there's tons of research that entomology is involved in across all sorts of sciences. And I know you more so help the professors kind of get their 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 ducks in order in terms of pursuing research. But mm-hmm. talk to our students, especially students that are even in undergrad who might be looking for undergrad opportunities. Talk to our students about like the benefits of research um, and what that can mean for them. You know, if they pursue research in their undergraduate career, what that could mean for them in their future. Why is research um, so valuable? Uh, you know, like, without research, we wouldn't have these technologies that we're talking on right now. Mm. We wouldn't have the advanced medicines. We wouldn't have um, even the um, the pesticides or anything that helps kill off the insects that eat our crops. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. research is very important because it literally drives our future. It helps us understand the biology and the world around us. Improves the um, human condition, right? Literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, in entomology, we have um, some, one of our professors, he's in veterinary. It's veterinary medicine with insects. Like, wow. how do you get veterinary? Yeah. <laughs> but um, we also have people that work with our honeybees because, you know, like for a second, the bees were missing. They were, they were dying Save off. Save the bees, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, it, it's like people don't understand that even something that's like, bees like they're pollinators so right. if they're not pollinating our plants or our flowers right where that's that that plant will go extinct yeah. or anything like that you know right. um you know like research it helps you especially in the sciences and people if you guys do want to be in the sciences research a it helps you understand the material better mm-hmm. and it helps you determine like because you might end up liking research Mm-hmm. And you might not want to go to med school. And mm-hmm. then med school d- does have programs that you can do research and med school like, um, and become a doctor, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get the research aspect. But literally the foundation of sciences is research, which you do in many of the classes. So it's really mm-hmm. cool like, just to get yourself um, involved in research to mm-hmm. um, help your, your science career if that's what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and it should also be stated that research more times than not equals cash yeah. <laughs> equals money. You know what I'm saying? You can get paid to do research. Um, mm-hmm. You can get paid to participate. You could get published. You might be able to work with one of your professors on a research project that they're doing. And next thing mm-hmm. you know, you're getting your name signed on to their research and all of that type <laughs> of stuff, right, is resume building. Like if yeah. you do want to pursue graduate school or maybe you do want to pursue a specific career, kind of having that type of uh, 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 resume spot, you know, it, it can be very, very beneficial. So mm-hmm. thank you. Kind of thank you for sharing um, the insight you know, to our students about, you know, the importance of research and, and specifically, you know, how entomology can help them take advantage of a lot of different forms of research and sciences. So <clears throat> this has been a great conversation so far, <laughs> but, you know, we're coming up on the end. So, you know, there's one there's one last question that I want to ask you. Um, it's it's the same question I ask all of our guests. And, oh, you know, it's. <laughs> And it, it and it's just I just like to call it black optimism, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, our our ancestors and you know the people that came before us, they had enough foresight to say, hey, maybe not in my lifetime, but in their lifetime, right? And mm-hmm. it's because of that we're able to you know be here and have this conversation. So, just to keep in the spirit of that, you know, what what would you say is one of your most optimistic visions? of the future when it comes to the future generations of black UCR scholars and maybe black UCR scholars that are now interested in pursuing entomology? Um, I just, I don't want anyone to give up, mm. um, especially like during the climate that is happening right now. Right. Um, you know, like this is, this is the time to like make sure that we're working hard and like um, getting our voices heard, like mm-hmm. to create more opportunities for us and for our future. Um, right. And I'm just really, 
I don't know, I just I'm just really hopeful that more opportunities develop um, mm-hmm. to give us more access to certain types of um, activities or scholarships or opportunities that the comp- the campus does have to offer right. um, to our students. Um, no, like I just feel you know we're we're resilient people, so we we never we don't give up. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, the, even it, when things are low, so. <laughs> yeah, and the, and and the thing is, again, you know, just like when we talk about like creating change, right, for marginalized communities, mm-hmm. for Black students, for African American students, right? It's just like the endowment fund that you guys just got established, right, to help yeah. you know marginalized students, Black and African American students, take advantage of research opportunities that they might not have been aware of. So, you know, it's. It's all of us constantly working towards those types of structural Mm -hmm. um, additions to our institution to make sure that, you know, future generations of black scholars, they have access. Right. They have access. They have the know how. um, And, you know, we're there to make sure that they feel, um, you know, supported and respected so that they can be Mm -hmm. successful. Well, Thank you so much. Uh, we really, really appreciate you joining us, Paige, on the Blue, Golden Black podcast. We were super happy to amplify your voice today. It was a super fun conversation. Um, students, if you're interested in sciences, you know, don't sleep on entomology. Yeah. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to reach out for help. You know, Paige, as you can see, she's super friendly. She's super dedicated to your guys' success. So if you have questions revolving around research, even if they might not be entomology specific, um, reach out to Paige and let her know what you're interested in. And I'm sure she'll be more than willing to direct you to the resources um, Mm -hmm. that you need. So Paige, thank you so much for being on the show (laughs) with us. We hope to have you back again sometime to continue the conversation and, you know, let students know what's, what's popping in the world of entomology. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank for you sure. for having yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, everybody. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for joining us on Blue, Gold, and Black. This program is produced by the Community Engagement and Outreach Unit of Undergraduate Admissions at the University of California, Riverside. Learn more about attending UCR by visiting admissions.ucr.edu. And be sure to check out the description for other useful links and resources. Help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and sharing. And be sure to check out our podcast videos on YouTube. Catch you guys later.